Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into our first rendition of our 2023 season in review player profiles for the Dallas Mavericks. Starting off with a bang with rookie Jaden Hardy. We are going to be getting into a variety of different things with him, you know, talking about his strengths, his weaknesses, uh, what things that we would like to see him improve upon going forward. Uh, the sustainability, you know, in terms of like his future with the Mavericks and a few other cool digs. Um, But before we do that, here is an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaren, so getting into it, Jaden Hardy's game this year was filled with a lot of ups and downs, definitely a lot of growing pains, but he really came into his own towards the end of the season and served as one of the biggest contributing role players on the Mavericks team. And some would argue that that role should have been optimized and harnessed earlier in the season by Jason Kidd. Uh, But there were some noticeable flaws throughout uh, certain stretches of the season for him. Um, Starting out with his biggest weaknesses, what do you think some of his uh, more glaring weaknesses were throughout the season? And some things that made you kind of um, just shake your head and possibly can, you know, kind of want to yank him out the game just because, uh, he simply, you know, was being, was making such bad mistakes, essentially not, I was going to say non-contributor, but there's a lot of other Mavericks guy, uh, you know, guys on this roster that we can label as non-contributors. I, I don't think that we could ever put Hardy necessarily in that boat, but he's definitely a guy that, you know, had some of the more lackadaisical mistakes on this roster throughout the season. So what, what, uh, what were some of those mistakes and what were some of his more glaring weaknesses this season? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as a 19 year old rookie coming into this league, like you're you're going to expect growing pains, you're going to expect some mistakes to be happening. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, definitely early on in that season, you could definitely tell more growing pains more than anything. Uh, Decision making when to and when not to drive or when to pass, maybe when to uh, kick the ball out for an open shooter. It was just things along that line. I think, you know, pushing the ball in transition, he had some trouble with, especially early on. Uh, making some deciding factors, who to go up on, whether or not to dribble out um, and, you know, waste some shot clock or even just go up. And, you know, oftentimes he would go up on a scenario where it's it's an easy kick out to an open shooter and we would see him either get swatted or just put up an air ball down low. And like I said, you know, just moments like that were honestly really cringy to see, but that you can't really expect anything else from a 19 year old second round rookie. Um you know, we, we knew coming into the season that decision-making would be a problem. And that's, you know, we didn't see anything other than that. I would say, you know, I know we're going to get into this a little later, but I would say that he definitely, and especially post Kyrie trade, uh, learned from his mistakes and really, really figured it out. Uh, I would say more so than didn't, but, you know, especially early on in that season was where we saw the sort of black hole effect that he could bring at times. Um, as I mentioned, just bad decision-making, you know, on the defensive side of things, I think he surprised a lot of people with his defensive capabilities. But even still, as a team defender, I felt like he was kind of lackadaisical, kind of lost in a swirl for a little bit. 
Um, there was some moments there around the seat around really the middle beginning of the season where, um, you know, either as a one-on-one -on -one defender or just a rotational defender, uh, it was kind of hard to watch him sort of work within the system, uh, whether just getting lost on an island or, you know, forgetting where his defender is, he'd get caught in like sort of back cut scenarios or even 45 cut scenarios. Um, but, you know, I think those, uh, those problems really honestly, uh, figured themselves out. I think, as I mentioned, that post Kyrie trade, he really figured some things out, started to work on some things. And in fact, in the month of March uh, was his best month as a rookie. But even still, you know, you saw you saw those growing pains. You saw those uh, rookie mistakes, if you will. And I, I mean, to me, I think the decision making was probably the biggest sort of growing pain, if uh, or at least like rookie wall, uh, if you will, uh, that he was hitting. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think to me, that was probably the most noticeable thing that you can watch night in and night out. Yeah, I would definitely tend to agree with you from that standpoint, because we saw in some of those games earlier in the season, especially some of those ones in which Luca missed, because a lot of the times uh, Jaden Hardy earlier in the season was relegated to playing with the Texas Legends. He, he didn't really uh, get a sustainable role with the Mavericks till you know, maybe late February, early March, you know, really after the Kyrie uh, trade. And even still, it was more, you know, along the lines of 10 to 20 minutes per game. He was never, you know, he, he never had such an influx of minutes come his way consistently uh, to where he was an integral part of the rotation. Uh, but he was definitely an integral, an integral part of the rotation throughout certain stretches of this season. And early on, you know, in some of the games before Kyrie and everything that Luca had missed, um, we often, you know, saw times that he had to spearhead the offense and he was thrust in the position, you know, albeit maybe a little bit unfairly, if you will, uh, because of just the lack of, you know, consistent NBA minutes he was getting. It was a position that, you know, the team needed a ball handler and there was that weird sort of gray area where the Mavericks were just rotating uh, basically um, like one of those, uh, you know, office building doors that, that go around in circles i don't know the exact name I for that i don't know the exact name yeah um but uh you know it, it there was a time there where the mavericks were rotating through ball handlers like that you know we saw the tertiary ball handler of the offense be faku Campazo. uh then it was kemba walker and you know once they realized that both of those guys weren't going to contribute um in any sort of uh role that was going to be meaningful then you know that's when hardy's name was kind of uh thrusted into the equation and, you know, he never, I don't think earlier in the season got to a point uh, where he was able to get consistent minutes, but we did see some big games against some of these uh, teams. You know, I, I look back to one of those early season matchups against Chicago where he had a really good game. Um, but even in some of those bigger games, you know, you, we did see how despite, you know, the flashes, um, the dribble drive attack that he was able to, uh, really impose, you know, his ability to get out and transition, um, his ability to uh, size up mismatches and, you know, diagnose them correctly. And, uh, you know, even towards the end of the season, we saw him be able to operate in the pick and roll a little bit better. Despite all that, uh, he still did, you know, have some ineffectiveness in terms of the decisions that he made. And, you know, he'd have some of these you know, at face value, sort of gaudy stat lines, right, where we'd see him put up like 25, 30 points. But oftentimes it would be, uh, I wouldn't say abysmal field goal shooting, but it was definitely like, you know, very high volume and, you know, comparable to the amount of makes that he had. It wasn't, 
you know, what you would maybe idealistically hope for as a guy who has to spearhead an offense. And, and I think that there was maybe some false promise with some Mavs fans when they saw just the counting stats of Jaden Hardy. You know, you see a guy put up 30 points when Luca's out. Um, that definitely, you know, it, it gets your brain uh, sort of uh, wired and you're like, oh, geez, this guy definitely needs to play for play more. Um, and I think that towards the end of the season, he definitely earned a role and probably even a bigger role than Jason Kidd uh, really actually gave to him. Uh, but really towards the beginning of the season, I don't know if I can necessarily say that that was the case. I think that uh, oftentimes he was just kind of a benefactor of, you know, being the only ball handler out there at times. Uh, but even still for him to sift through those moments um, and really, you know, build the trust of his teammates and what have you uh, was really, you know, vital for his development to be able to, you know, go out and play, you know, the full starters, uh, you know, basically rotation as the main ball handler. And some of those matchups where Luca was out earlier in the season, you know, and have to stomach both the, the ups and downs of a full NBA game. I, I really do think it boded well for his development down the stretch. So, um, you know, keeping that in mind, that I think that's a perfect segue to what some of his strengths were, Jaren. What do you think J Jaden Hardy's strengths were uh, this season with the Mavericks? Um, at least the most, like, prominent strengths that we saw, you know, um, aside from maybe some of the things that we kind of already knew going into uh, the draft when the Mavericks selected him out of the G League Ignite. Yeah, so I think, honestly, you know, my most surprising, you know, idea, or at, at least, you know, whenever I had an idea of what Jane Hardy was going into the season, uh, the thing that not surprised me the most, but I think uh, definitely didn't realize how good and talented he was, was taking defenders one-on-one -on -one, uh, and getting to the hole as fast as he could. Um, you know, there was some decision-making parts that, you know, of course, we, we just mentioned where it was kind of, you know, shouldn't have taken it their moments, but uh, definitely whenever they did occur and whenever they did have their positive moments, it was honestly really intriguing to see because that's a young prospect able to make a move most of the time on one of the top defenders because, I mean, just this Mavericks roster beginning of the season was so depleted of scores that, you know, oftentimes Jane Hardy is going to draw one of the best defenders on the other team. So oftentimes on those one-on-one -on -one drives, he was, you know, uh, picking up, some of the better defenders on the other teams and being able to work off that. And especially his ability to not, not float in midair, but have like this sort of Kyrie-esque ability to just will his way to the basket and will his shot into the hoop. Uh, because at times it did look like, you know, he was caught in midair uh, or, you know, caught like, caught like a fish out of water where he shouldn't be in those sort of moments that he is. And he found a way to will his way uh, and get the ball in the hoop. So I think that, his finishing ability uh, and, you know, just taking defenders one-on-one -on -one using his first natural step uh, and even off the dribble was honestly really surprising to me and was a really positive uh, benefactor. And definitely, you know, throughout the season, he definitely, definitely worked on that. Um, I think the most, probably the best uh, thing that we saw out of him this season was sort of his ability to work off the ball. Uh, Cause oftentimes whenever he was in, you know, and it wasn't just him in the, the lineup. He was in there with either Kyrie or Luca, or sometimes even, uh, or like, honestly, rarely both. Um, but his ability to work off the ball, uh, find himself in a, in a catcher's ability to be either in the corner or rotate out to a, a wing, his ability to do that, find the open spot, and then nail down the jumper was honestly his, 
biggest upgrade I think that this team really needed, especially down the stretch. Now, of course, there's other factors that, you know, kind of filled out, but I, I think that was probably the biggest sort of positive that we got from him. Um, and then I think that something, you know, we will see more of definitely next season, uh, but definitely you could see the bright spot starting to fill out uh, was an off ball screen. You know, they started to run sets for him, uh, whether it was a curl off or curl down, um, getting to the hoop using his mid range jumper. I think we saw a lot of that down the stretch. I, I can recall multiple times in that Chicago and Spurs game in the last two games of the season where he's able to use a curl off screen to get downhill and either work one-on-one -on -one with the defender or just use his ability to pull up in the mid range. Um, I think that's something that I would like to see worked on a lot more in the off season, uh, but definitely his most positive, uh, I think sort of light that we saw this season was for sure. And in fact, his shooting, uh, because as you mentioned, uh, you know, a minute ago that there was some stat lines there where, you know, he was maybe shooting like 11 for 27 or something like that, just some bad, you know, field goal percentage. Uh, but we saw that sort of mend itself, especially in the month of March. Um, so I think field goal efficiency uh, as the season progressed definitely went up and just sort of um, shot making and, you know, his ability to find an open spot and become a good shooter, uh, especially as the months sort of prevailed throughout the NBA season. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head with really all the positive points that I was going to go over with him. Uh, I don't have too much more to add, but you know, I really do also like the point that you added on about them using him in, you know, those curl off um, actions really towards the end of the season to, you know, to get him the ball at that nail area and let him get downhill, um, you know, for a Mavericks team that, you know, it's not sort of ludicrous to say this because Kyrie and Luca, you know, are so egregiously good at basketball, but, um, you know, to an extent uh, you have to have some sort of uh, stop gap measures because teams will kill uh, just really key in on those two guys and you know the, the Mavericks may have been able to do a better job at uh, just having some more direct Kyrie Luka actions to where um, they could make teams pay a little bit more if they were to trap one of them but you know even so when when a team really is committed to trapping two guys at a time they're going to be able to do so and with how one-dimensional the Mavericks offense was we really didn't see um, a whole lot of Kyrie, Luca, Hardy at the same time, uh, even on the stretch. We saw it a little bit, but there, there's just a sort of lack of defense, uh, among other things, that makes that lineup sort of hard to play. But, you know, as Jaden Hardy evolves on defense and, you know, the Mavericks hopefully are able to mend some of their other defensive holes this offseason, um, if there needs to be an interjection of offense uh, and Hardy's roles, role increases next year, I definitely think we could see those lineups a little bit more. And, um, you know, when you have all three of those guys, you know, running uh, those flare actions in between them, as we saw down the stretch, um, as poised as a catch and shoot uh, shooter that Hardy is, is going to be really beneficial for the Mavericks uh, as they continue next season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the biggest thing that probably shocked me uh, was just his catch and shoot ability because the whole cliche uh, sort of, um, you know, just vibe around him when he was coming into the league was that this was a guy that, you know, was a primary ball handler, but he, he sort of had these abysmal shooting numbers uh, when he went to the G League Ignite right out of high school. And, you know, it, it was, you know, a lot of it was uh, kind of attributed to shot selection, um, but all of it, a lot of it was also kind of just not shooting the best, but he was always a really good shooter in high school. Um, and, you know, we saw a little bit of shooting woes early on, but 
I, I mean, if he corrected one thing and really took a, a stride, um, you know, far and ahead of all others in his game, it was definitely his shooting. You know, we really, you know, we did see him improve his playmaking uh, as well as his decision-making down the stretch and, you know, his ability to work off ball and, you know, come off staggers and curl offs, but, you know, his ability to, you know, just kind of probe around the wings and the corners and, uh, you know, just be savvy and ready and poised to, to make big time shots uh, time in and time out uh, was really impressive for a rookie. And, you know, there's a lot of good catch and shoot shooters that come into the league as rookies um, out of college. And even still, there's usually like a one or two year carryover uh, for them to really hit their stride just due to the, you know, the sheer amount of pressure uh, that it takes to play in an NBA game, you know, like even guys like AJ Griffin for the Hawks is a guy that I think about, you know, Andrew Nemhart, like those are some really, poised rookies in terms of their ability to shoot the ball coming in day one being contributors and not really being phased by the moment I don't think uh throughout Jaden Hardy's rookie year you know despite maybe some of the mistakes he made that he is a guy that just kind of by I just sort of by de facto of the nature of him he's just not a guy who really gets phased um he's a guy who's gonna you know if there's a big shot to be hit uh you know I'll be damned if he's not going to at least take it. You know, he's he's definitely not a guy that is phased. And that was probably one of also just the more um, shocking things um, and po overt positives, uh, in my opinion, for him as a rookie. Um, but other than that, Jaron, you know, I, I think you touched up specifically really well on all of Jaden Hardy's uh, sort of strengths and weaknesses that we diagnosed right there. What do you think he improved from his time in the G League Ignite to his time in Dallas the most. You know, I guess I kind of alluded to it in that segment, but if you'd like to iterate, you know, something or um, to the effect of what I said or something else, what do you think was his biggest improvement uh, from, you know, his time at the uh, the semi-professional level? Or I, I don't know. What... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I think probably the biggest improvement he made was um, not necessarily decision-making, but shot-making. Uh, I think I want to say he shot like 45% from the field or 40% from the field. And then like maybe in the mid twenties of a uh, three point percentage. So Those I, are I high think twenties or yeah. Yeah. It was somewhere around, around there. I think his like true shooting percentage was in the forties. Uh, just really abysmal shooting percentages. Yeah. I mean, true shooting percentage is typically a, a statistic that I mean is routinely in the fifties for anybody yeah, that's exactly. like a halfway competent shooter, you know? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, and that's a big reason why his uh, draft stock plummeted. Plummeted, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that, you know, coming into the league, I necessarily didn't think that that was going to be a problem. I didn't really feel like it was a problem through at least large stints of the season, um, or at least large stints that we got to see him, um, you know, in plays where, you know, he was actually be able, actually was able to produce and play. Uh, so I think his, his shooting percentage and his shooting uh, efficiency – was honestly something that probably improved the most. Uh, I think, you know, everyone in the league, I think it was maybe a question mark, but I think everyone in the league kind of knew that, you know, you're not going to get a 40% shooter with Jane Hardy, or at least a 40% true shooter with Jane Hardy. And he definitely showed around the league and, you know, to himself, and I think a lot of his fans, that, you know, that was just a, a fluke of a season, maybe a little, you know, warm up going from uh, high school level to the semi-pro level. I think it's probably a little bit of that, but Definitely, you know, as his time as a Dallas Maverick progressed, 
uh, and, you know, he sort of found his role and found his rhythm, I would say his shooting was probably something that improved the most. Yeah, I mean, that's just really a drastic jump to shooting in the high 20s at the G League level to, you know, being able to hit 40% plus from three uh, once he got to the NBA stage. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to, though, is, yeah, his shooting was just um, very surprising to me how he was able to completely shift the narrative from that perspective. And it definitely changes his value as a player because this was a guy that was, you know, seen as possibly a lottery talent. And, you know, even despite the Mavericks having Luka and Kyrie and there being no sort of, you know, way to kind of pencil in Hardy into the equation as far as like maybe the starting lineup goes next year. Um, there was a lot of promise shown from that department, just his ability to play off ball. Um, but also, you know, you see the, the sort of grassroots coming into fruition um, with the playmaking and the decision-making. And if he can really harness that, I mean, we're talking about a guy uh, that has, you know, that sort of Bradley Beal-esque potential. You know, me and Jaron denoted him uh, as a pretty comparable guy to him before the season even started, even though, you know, we, we preface that he may never ever actually get to that level. Um, but, I mean, Jaden Hardy's potential, I, I mean, I don't know where he ends up being, but I think needless to say that we can both agree after this season just from seeing some of the sparks as well as the consistency shooting and the strides that he's made in that department and just sort of his demeanor uh, that this is a guy that does have all-star potential. Now, whether he reaches that um, remains to be seen, but I think that, you know, as far as his season goes for the Mavericks, I would definitely give it, you know, an A because, I mean, we, we got much more than we could have expected from him, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with what you say. Um, I guess I'm going to ask you a question now. Uh, what do you think Jane Hardy's biggest improvements over the offseason that he needs to make uh, to either find himself in a bigger role next year or uh, just as a player, what, what kind of improvements does he need to make? And then what kind of role do you think he'll be conducted to uh, come this time next or not maybe not this time next year, but come next season? Uh, what kind of role do you want to see him in? I think the improvements and strides that he made towards the end of the season, if he's at least able to keep that as a baseline, I mean, you're already looking at a fairly integral, uh, you know, cog in the Mavericks rotation here, uh, especially if he can really catch wind um, as a playmaker and as a ball handler. I, I think his role is definitely going to be conducive to who kind of comes and goes for the Mavericks over the offseason. If the Mavericks lose a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr., who kind of alleviates uh, some of the just sort of ancillary things that Hardy does, such as, you know, his shooting um, and his uh, off-ball movement, things of that nature, just uh, that sort of gravity that uh, he's going to start accruing on offense um, as his career kind of goes forward if he, if he keeps shooting the ball like this. I think that that, you know, if Tim is a guy that leaves, which uh, could definitely present itself as a likely scenario this offseason, Hardy could be looking at, you know, almost maybe like a sixth man, seventh man, escrow for the Mavericks off the bench. Um, I don't know in his current state and the Mavericks current state with their roster. And this is me. Not, this is not me saying they have a good roster, but just based on how they are structured and put together at the moment, just because of Tim, I, I think that unless Hardy improves his ball handling and, you know, his, his playmaking, as well as his decision-making and his ability, uh, you know, to operate in pick and roll actions. Um, and, you know, just to be a secondary ball handler out there, um, you know, giving one of the stars the rest, if obviously Kyrie comes back, um, you know, just the ability to give one of the stars the rest and, you know, have 
um, you know, another playmaker out there. I don't know if we ever got to a point this season where we could call Hardy a playmaker, uh, but if we do that next season, uh, you know, then we're definitely looking at a guy that is poised to become a six man of the year candidate like soon, uh, because that's just uh, really just the next step in his development is really being able to uh, hone in on his attacks, you know, being savvy um, in terms of, you know, making the right decision uh, on in terms of going up at a guy uh, or, you know, maybe choosing not to split a double team sometimes and making the correct read. All those things are going to be integral uh, in terms of his, you know, place in the rotation going forward. Um, so, you know, I, I'm more on the uh, more optimistic and opportunistic side with this guy because, uh, you know, despite whatever injury situations were going on with the Mavericks, you know, time in and time again throughout the season, uh, even if he had one or two rough stretches, he continually bounced back and showed improvement throughout all the season. And he's only 20 years old. I think from, you know, both an offensive perspective, you know, he, he seems like a guy who is, you know, an extremely hard worker like we've seen all season. I, you know, I'm sure he'll work with Sham God and the coaching staff uh, to really hone in on the ball handling and, and the playmaking aspect of things. And then if he's going to be able to also be a little bit more savvy as a defender, because, you know, we didn't really touch up on um, his defense too much in this podcast, but, you know, you obviously alluded to how earlier in the season he had a tendency to get lost um, within the rotations and things of that nature. I think if he can really hone in on that, he's already a fairly decent individual defender just because of his length and his lateral quickness um, and his general speed. I, I think if he can, you know, hone in on that side a little bit more and, and just become a little bit more of a splashy impact defender um, than he already is at face value um, and in uh, a little, you know, less mistake prone, then, you know, we're really talking about, a sort of like D'Anthony Melton-esque, you know, type of guy almost coming off your bench. Um, but, you know, maybe with a little more like offensive pop, it, you know, that's like the extreme bright side. And then the, the extreme low side is, you know, maybe he sort of walks into a sophomore slump uh, like we've seen a lot of rookies do. And he experiences some shooting woes and maybe we got some sort of fool's gold. Um, so we don't obviously exactly know what's going to happen. I mean, this is, a second year player they're about as unpredictable as they come uh, but if i'm you know making an estimation you know mavericks rotations aside who is going to come back who's not going to come back i think he's at least going to be you know if, if the mavericks you know because all nba teams i like to denote uh them you know even the really good ones with deep rotations i think you have you know your prominent eight and then you know the guys after that um they could or you know, could not be played in the playoff series. I expect Jaden Hardy to be in the prominent eight for the Mavericks next season um, in worst or best case scenario. All right. So obviously, you know, that kind of covers the whole basis in terms of what I, I really think Jaden Hardy can do to elevate, you know, his standing um, in terms of the Mavericks rotation next year, but also in terms of uh, just a sort of baseline that I see for him as well. What do you, what are you most looking forward to him next season? You know, other than just, uh, you know, his continued development, like are, what are you, how excited are you for this guy um, to be in a Mavericks uniform next year? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, of a season filled with despair and very little bright spots for him to be one of the bright spots. And honestly, one of the a huge plus to this roster, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see him next year. I think next year, 
um, you know, we hope we can only assume is going to be a big year for the Mavericks. And I, I think that I would, I think for both of us, we fully expect him to be a part of that uh, and to be a fully a part of a, a bigger role um, in which he was given this year. So I, I think the the biggest thing I'm really looking forward to is what sort of role he's given. Cause I, I would think, you know, not saying he's like this player at all, but I think he'd be given more of a comparable role like Terrence Mann, uh, maybe last year or two years ago, where, you know, you he's a guy you can sort of plug in as a six man, but also, you know, he, you can bring him in off the bench as like the eight or nine spot, just kind of depending on who you're playing and what kind of matchups prevail. I think that that's sort of the player that I want to see most. Uh, definitely, I mean, if he could pick up some defensive habits that are, you know, of course, positive, I think that would be really intricate for this uh, defense, especially off the bench. But uh, yeah, I think that's probably the, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is what sort of role he finds himself in and how how much he can elevate his game. Because, uh, I mean, really, I think, you know, at the end of the season, especially March, uh, you know, this is me. I, I don't know if others feel this way, but I think if you take from Kyrie trade on up, uh, Jaden Hardy, I think that he probably makes a case for all, all second, all third in, uh, NBA rookie team. I, I think there's a real case to be made for that. Now, of course, we didn't see that through the the totality of the season uh but how do we did i think that he he could have probably made a strong case for it so i think you know if he can find a, a role uh and one that benefits him well and benefits the team well uh, i think that's probably what i'm most looking forward to yeah i mean his game uh reeks that of a three a true three level score and you know we see plenty of those um that come into the draft at this stage but being able to harness the playmaking and ball handling aspects of that to be able to you know, run an offense or be a, that that secondary cog um, in terms of being a playmaker within the Mavericks offense uh, and, and riding the coattails, but also, you know, providing that uh, support when needed uh, when he's playing with Kyrie and Luca is, is going to be, you know, his drawing point in terms of if he's going to be, you know, a guy that's seen as uh, one of the best players off the bench next season, potentially, or if he, you know, is just going to elevate his standing in the rotation marginally for the Mavericks. But nonetheless, you know, he's still young, plenty of time to grow. Uh, definitely, like you alluded to, one of the fewer bright spots, I would say, throughout the season for the Mavericks. And a uh, really exciting um, young player. And that can't be said uh, really throughout the Mavericks roster. So that's what I would have to say for that. Lastly, we have a couple questions to sort of knock off. Uh, a little more lighthearted, but um, still um, fairly provocative in nature um, in terms of, you know, Jaden Hardy and um, his role on the Mavericks team. So first off, uh, I wanted to provide one providing stat. I was going to do it this podcast. Jaron will be tasked with doing it in the next player profile. Um, but the one surprising stat that I have for you guys today regarding Jaden Hardy. Now, you know, take into account that not all of these are completely contextualized with, you know, the sample size and everything right next to them. Um, you know, some of them will be uh, just vastly different than others, just kind of given the nature of the situation. Uh, but we just wanted to provide like one intriguing and provocative stat uh, that could, you know, we could really draw some attention to. Um, and we tried to find it for at least each player or that's our goal. We haven't done everybody yet, but we did Jaden Hardy, of course, for this podcast and mm -hmm. our one surprising stat for him throughout this season on assisted three point field goals. Uh, so meaning, you know, not it doesn't have to be catch and shoot you know he could take a dribble or two but just anyone where he has basically received a pass and he is shooting a three versus um you know obviously forging or creating a, a three for himself he is shooting he shot 
82.5% on those throughout the season. I don't know exactly what the sample size is, but he did take a lot of catch and shoot threes. That was an insane stat to me. I mean, that's um, really an unfathomable number for anybody, um, you know, sample size aside, unless it's literally like four or five shots or something like that. Like I was truly floored when I saw that, you know, I know he's not getting the most minutes in the world, um, but I mean, we're at least talking like, a decent sample size like i'd have to imagine that that's got to be probably like half his threes maybe or more uh probably half and especially that later half of the season i think that he took more catch and shoot or at least assisted on threes uh more than any shot in his arsenal now you know to you may ask how if he's shooting that good on assisted threes how is he only shooting 40 percent? and i say only 40 percent. you know 40 (laughs) percent is really good from three um he's conversely he shot 17.5% 17.5% on unassisted three. So there's a, a definitely a, a stark difference there. Um, but the the catch and shoot numbers have me intrigued. I and mean, you see this guy warm up sometimes. Um, if you've seen any of them, like the Mavericks sort of pregame videos, where they'll, you know, they're shooting the balls off the racks or just, you know, from the assistant coaches, you know, St. Gene's spoon, spoon feeding him those passes. Um, I mean, Jaden Hardy's a guy that's gone like, he'll just like continually hit them around the rack. If you ever watch him pregame in those uh, arenas. So, I mean, this is definitely a guy who's poised. And I mean, if he can, if he can reciprocate really any of that into his catch and shoot numbers, or if he can just even make that mildly sustainable, if we could just get 50% even on um, assisted uh, three pointers, three point field goal percentage next year. I mean, that, that would be insane itself given the increased shot diet. So uh, that's the one dig from the day. Other than that, we are going to be doing a sustainability rating for Jaden Hardy. Um, This has kind of three factors that we have sort of taken into account or taken into account here. And we're going to be doing this for every player as well for the sustainability rating. It's not going to be only taking into account the players like on court sustainability in terms of, you know, being, you know, injured or not and how many games they can play. It's also going to take into account their sustainability in terms of, you know, being a Maverick in the future. Um, and, you know, um, like along with, you know, a variety of other factors. Um, so basically any word, um, a- anything that you can kind of pencil into the category of sustainable, uh, that kind of fits the mold of what we're looking for here. And it's going to be rated out of 10. And we're going to give a score to every player. And obviously the more sustainable players, obviously the better. Um, and, you know, this, you know, we can factor it in with the player's desire to be here. There's a bunch of different angles you can kind of take to this. So Jaron, I want to, I'll give mine last. You go first. What's your sustainability rating for Jaden Hardy out of 10? And what's your reasoning? So can we put a decimal in this? Yes, or? you can put decimal. Okay, okay. All right. Because I'm, teeter- I'm teeter-tottering around the seven to eight spot. So I'll sit with a seven and a half. Uh, the reason why, you know, I'm more on the positive side. Of course, we saw his level of production and his his insane, um, you know, March March madness of shooting um sort of prevail I, I think that that's definitely really intriguing uh you know he tailed off those last few games outside of the Chicago and outside of the Spurs game but he, I think that it's really intriguing uh just the, sort of the role that we predict him to have I think that whatever stat or all the stats that we really saw the, uh this coming to or this uh past season I think that really benefits him uh and what role we think that he's going to have I that that's why I sit you know sort of in the higher spot the reason why I'm kind of you know, not total 100% like the eight or nine spot is because I could definitely see him being included in a bigger package, uh, maybe later down along the line, or just, you know, maybe in the off season, because 
uh, as you know, Mr. Kidd denoted himself, uh, there's going to be a lot of new faces here in Dallas. And I, I would not be surprised if given uh, a big or at least a bigger name uh, that he is included in one of those deals. And, you know, an intriguing young piece, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, depending on who the name is, of course, I wouldn't be totally opposed to putting him or packaging him in a deal or at least making him a sweetener. So that's sort of why I'm sitting on that seven and a half spot. Uh, you know, I think it's probably not too sweet, but it's sweet enough that you're like, okay, you know, a 20 year old guy uh, going into his second year, you can see the upside there, but also at the same time, you know, it's not totally rainbows and uh, butterflies on the other side. Cause there is possibly a looming trade in which he could be included in. Yeah. I mean, Obviously, I think the Kyrie trade definitely uh, sort of eliminates the the need as well as the uh, potential top 10 pick that the Mavericks may accrue um, at the May 16th draft lottery that we'll be getting much more into um, in the coming weeks. Um, that could obviously um, throw a potential Jaden Hardy uh, spearhead spearheaded trade by the wayside a little bit um, in terms of the future. You know, I don't know if, you know, if we're looking – way, way down the line, you know, is Jaden Hardy uh, sort of the, uh, the, the the predecessor to Kyrie? Um, is he going to end up taking his spot? I mean, that remains to be seen. Uh, there's a lot of different, um, you know, just from a, you know, a role perspective uh, one day, you know, th- there's a lot that remains to be seen regarding this guy. And obviously, you know, there's an argument to be made that his talent production and what his, his development uh, may outmatch his role in the Mavericks rotation, just given that they have Luca and Kyrie at some point throughout the next couple of years. I don't know if that's going to happen next season, uh, the season after that. So from that standpoint, I would definitely reciprocate with you on the sustainability aspect of, you know, him just being on the team going forward. I, you know, if the team does want to make a bigger trade, that being said, I, I do think that there is avenues, you know, particularly since they're going to keep their pick to be able to not include him in a trade and, and still, uh, you know, improve pretty marginally. So from that perspective, you know, I, I don't think it's like just the only way to get better. Uh, but I do think that he, there's still that uh, brisk possibility of him being in a trade. So I think I'd probably have to agree with you, you know, uh, anywhere really in that seven and a half to, to eight range uh, is probably where I would um, denote my ranking um, as far as Jaden Hardy's sustainability goes, because you know, I'm very optimistic about his the on-court production. He hasn't shown anything as far as injuries are concerned uh, that had me worried going forward. You know, he's only 20 years old. Um, so from that perspective, I feel very safe on my perspective. It's really just um, how sustainable is um, him being in Dallas long-term if the Mavericks are to improve the other areas of that roster. And I mean, I still think that they can do it. Uh, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be as high and mighty on him uh, as I am if I didn't think they could. Uh, but there are avenues to where he may not be here. Um, but other than that, Jaron, do you have anything else to add in regards to Jaden Hardy? It's been a pretty fun podcast. Yeah, so, I mean, it actually has been a pretty fun podcast. I will not lie. Um, I want to go over his, like, last – or not last, but, like, the last full month of basketball in March. Uh, just to cover this really quickly, he averaged 15.6 points. Uh, and this was all season high three assists, three rebounds, um, only a turnover and a half, and 50% from the three-point line and 45% from the field and 23 and a half minutes played. I think that's the top of the top basketball that we saw to Jaden Hardy in his rookie year. 
And I would be intrigued to see if, you know, maybe he can continue it because again, that's post Kyrie trade. Assuming we bring Kyrie back, um, you know, how much can he benefit from Kyrie? We know he made those comments uh, in the exit interviews that he was going to work with him over the off season. So I'm intrigued to see what he learns uh, or, or what he improves upon uh, with that training with Kyrie in the off season. So I, I think I'm really intrigued to see his off season production. You know, I think if there was an off season God, or most improved player of the offseason last year is probably Josh Green. And so I would not be surprised if, you know, we have a watch list of guys, if Jane Hardy, his name is probably included in those. So I'm intrigued to see what he can bring next year to the table. No, 100%. Yeah, the mentorship uh, with Kyrie is definitely uh, going to be huge as far as his development goes if Kyrie stays on the team. Um, just out of curiosity, before we end the podcast, what were you, you said his assist numbers were like, uh, I believe three in yeah. the March. Uh, what were what were they uh, throughout the whole season? If you just don't mind listing out his counting stats for the whole year, real quick. Yeah, so for the whole year, he averaged nine points uh, per game, which I believe was like a three point production or a three point plus since the month of Mar- month of March. Uh, One point four assists, basically a uh, two rebounds. Uh, didn't really have any amazing defensive stats. Average a turnover a game, and then shot. Uh, 47% from the field and 40% from the three uh, throughout the uh, throughout the regular season and then 15 minutes a game. And again, you know, you have to account for most of those uh, sort of minutes, at least in the, the, the three fourths of the season, uh, he didn't really get to play a whole lot. So I think the minutes is a little skewed, uh, but definitely in the minutes and roles uh, in which he was given a, a production or at least a produced a, a plus role. Uh, we saw him really take advantage of that in most of the, most of the games that he was um, really, you know, really a big part or an intricate part of the um, of the of the role or of a I'm I'm, I'm bluffing here I'm I'm bluffing here uh, of the rotation there you go I don't know why it took me 45 <laughs> minutes to come up with that so no no you're fine it happens but um, other than that yeah I, I think as far as his role is concerned. Um, I know that a lot of been had been made by fans uh, just, you know, in regards to him, you know, them pining for him to play more and things of that nature. I personally really didn't have too many issues with how they used him. Uh, just I wanted him to be brought up to speed slow and I didn't have the most high expectations. You know, there are some gripes I have with Jason Kidd's rotation. Um, Jaden Hardy wasn't really one of the biggest ones. Uh, I think towards the end of the season, um, I would definitely be a little bit more attuned to, uh, the sentiment that he should have played more. I do think that there were some times that uh, they kind of gate kept his minutes a little bit and wrap for vet to red to veterans. Uh, but when he was having some of those, you know, sort of earlier season sort of rough bouts and we see him hit a little bit of a rookie wall there, I wasn't like too really pissed off or anything and him not playing personally. Uh, but, you know, that obviously continues ad nauseum next season. Um, you know, what we saw at the end of the year, uh, just the inconsistency in terms of his role, that's going to be more cause for concern, but in a year that was basically lost and, you know, we saw him play more down the stretch. I didn't really have too many personal gripes, but other than that, we will catch you guys in the next one. Thank you for listening to the mainstream mouse podcast. If you guys are listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify or any other podcast pl- uh, platform, we are on almost all podcast platforms. You can find it in our link tree on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. Uh, make sure to give us a five-star rating on any of those respective platforms that you're listening on. And, um, Give us a good review if you do feel so inclined. We really appreciate the feedback for those of you guys listening. Also, 
If you guys are listening on YouTube or watching for that matter, uh, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe down below. We just hit 41 subscribers for Dirk. Yes, sir, Dirk. So um, make sure to comment down below. What was your favorite Dirk moment throughout his career to commemorate our insane milestone of 41 <laughs> subscribers? Other than that, we will catch you guys in the next one. We will do, be doing our next player preview tomorrow. We are going to be knocking them out till we're all done with them every single day. Mainstream Mavs podcast. Um, this is our one time that we're going to be um, besting locked on um, as the um, most uh, podcast out from the Mavericks perspective in a nine day span because they don't do weekends. Uh, other than that, they probably have us beat most of the time. Uh, other than, um, barring that, we will catch you guys in the next one. Mainstream Mavs signing out. Bye bye.